Our holy and righteous Father in heaven, thank you for giving us an opportunity to fellowship with you now. Dear Lord, as spiritual things are spiritually descend, we cannot trust ourselves to understand your word except you grant to us of your spirit as you have promised. Now we ask, Father, please graciously and mercifully grant to us your spirit. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth and help us to have understanding. Speak through me, dear Lord, and bless your children with the words that will be spoken. Thank you for hearing and answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. That I may know him. February 1. Christ, the revelation of God. No man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he had declared him. John chapter 1 verse 18 Christ came to the world to reveal the character of the Father and to redeem the fallen race. The world's Redeemer was equal with God. His authority was as the authority of God. He declared that he had no existence separate from the Father. The authority by which he spoke and wrought miracles was expressly his own, yet he assures us that he and the Father are one. Jesus had imparted a knowledge of God to patriarchs, prophets, and apostles. The revelations of the Old Testament were emphatically the unfoldings of the Gospel, the unveiling of the purpose and will of the Infinite Father. Through the holy men of old, Christ labored for the salvation of fallen humanity, and when he came to the world, it was with the same message of redemption from sin and restoration to the favor of God. What speech is to thought, so is Christ to the invisible Father. He is the manifestation of the Father and is called the Word of God. God sent his Son into the world, his divinity clothed with humanity, that man might bear the image of the invisible God. He made known in his words, his character, his power and majesty, the nature and attributes of God. As legislator, Jesus exercised the authority of God. His commands and decisions were supported by the sovereignty of the eternal throne. The glory of the Father was revealed in the Son. Christ made manifest the character of the Father. He was so perfectly connected with God, so completely embraced in His encircling light, that he who had seen the Son had seen the Father. His voice was as the voice of God. He says, I am in the Father, and the Father in me. No man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. John chapter 14 verse 11 Matthew chapter 11 verse 27 
and chapter 14 verse 9. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Christ, the Revelation of God. We have spoken so much about Christ as God, but today we are looking at it in a slightly different perspective. Christ, the Revelation of God. If we must know Christ as we should, if the knowledge of God must be filled in the land that no man needs to teach any other, then even the slightest variation of how God reveals himself to us needs to be known. In John chapter 1 verse 1 to 3, that passage that we all know too well says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In this passage, someone is being presented as the Word, a personality. Does it not sound abstract? How can somebody be called the Word? Words as I speak now, words like Jesus said in John 6 verse 63, words are spirit. You cannot see a word. You cannot touch a word. It's intangible. It's abstract. You can hear it. It can affect you, but yet you cannot see it. Does that not explain to us what Jesus said in the book of John 3 to Nicodemus about the spirit? That you can feel the influence of the spirit, but you cannot see it. Just as the wind blows and you see its effect on a tree, you can hear it also. That is how the Holy Spirit works and that's how words work. Jesus is the one being presented here as the Word. But then, this Word is called God. He says, the Word was God. We read today in our devotion, That I May Know Him, page 38, paragraph 4. What speech is to thought, so is Christ to the invisible Father. Hmm. What does that mean? What speech is to thought? What is speech to thought? Speech is an expression of the thought. And now, whatever speech is to thought, that is what Christ is to the Heavenly Father. In other words, as your speech expresses your thought, reveals your thought, so also Christ is the revelation of the Father. That is what Christ is. The Father is Spirit. The expression of the Father is Jesus Christ. That is what he's saying. In John 14, verse 6 to 11, we hear Jesus speaking these words. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you have known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. Philip now, doubting Philip, said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been so long with you, and yet thou hast not known me, Philip? He that had seen me had seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for the works sake. Amen. So here Jesus is expressing the same thing, that he is the expression of the Father. That once we have seen Jesus, heard Jesus, you are 100%, not to a smaller degree, not to a sliver of a smaller degree, but 100%. As you see Jesus, you have seen the Father. As you hear Jesus, you are hearing the Father. He is the expression of the Father. Again, in the book of John 10, verse 37 to 39, here Jesus speaks, saying, If I do not the works of my Father, believe me not. 
But if I do, though you believe me not, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Now, Jesus is using something that we're going to study very much in this, uh, this month of February what it means for the Father to be in us and we be in the Father. In this case, Jesus is saying He is in the Father and the Father is in Him. What does that mean for us? Who is greater than the other? He is in the Father, the Father is in Him. It is equal. If, you, if we say, oh, the one who possesses the other is the greater one, but they both possess each other. Jesus possesses the Father in Him and the Father possesses Jesus in Himself. They are the same. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 down to verse 3 tells us God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son whom he had appointed here of all things by whom also he made the worlds now look at verse 3 says who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high so what do we learn like i have been saying and like we read in our devotion what speech is to thought so also christ is to the invisible father jesus is the express image that's what we see in hebrews 1 verse 3 he is the brightness of the father's glory he is the express image of the father's personality that is what jesus is so if we have seen jesus like jesus himself confessed if you have seen me you have seen the father he is the revelation of the father we read also in our devotion the time we know him page 38 paragraph 5 the glory of the father was revealed in the son Christ made manifest the character of the Father. He was so perfectly connected with God, so completely embracing his encircling light, that he who had seen the Son had seen the Father. His voice was as the voice of God. He says, I am in the Father and the Father in me. End of quote. This tells us something really important. The Father was no time divorced from the suffering of the Son. Everything we have said that Jesus passed through for our sakes to die on the cross of Calvary for us. The pain and the suffering, the Father passed through it equally because He was in the Son. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 says, To wit, that God was in Christ. When God is said here, that means the Father. The context of God here is the Father. To wit, that God, the Father, was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation amen this reveals to us the love of god when we are looking at the love of the father of, of jesus we're looking at the love of the father so many people make a very grave grave painful mistake if i were the father i would be really pained to hear things like this and what am i referring to people saying that the father is, is fearful and Jesus is loving that the father is more is not approachable is Jesus that is approachable they think that in the Old Testament the father was the one leading and then in the New Testament it is Jesus the son that is leading but we are very very mistaken once you have seen Jesus you have seen the father there is nothing that the father did or Jesus did in the New Testament that the father is not in harmony with 
as though he is disagreeing with the son and saying, if not for you, I would not do all these things and I would have been more fierce with them. The father has always been merciful. The son has always been merciful. But who is it that has been relating with man? It is Jesus. Not as many people will think the father. But then whatever Jesus is doing, the father is 100% behind it. They are one. They are not separate as we want to make it look like. Like, oh, they are, they are separate. They have different mindsets. One is a bit more impatient, harsh, and he's ready to punish immediately, while the son is not like that. He's more merciful, kind, and all of that. What do we read in the most popular passage, John 3.16? For God, that's the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Who loved in that passage? Who, who said it? Jesus was the one speaking here. He said, God the Father is the one who so loved you and me. How then can we charge him with harshness? How then can we charge him with impatience, with intolerance? How then can we charge the Father to hate us and that the, or even if we say he loves us, but that Jesus, Jesus loves us more than him? How can we charge him with such a thing? To which it says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 that the Father was in Christ. He was the one reconciling you and me to himself, not imputing our trespasses upon us. He loves us so much. Jesus himself said it. That we should not think that we cannot approach the Father by ourselves. He says the Father loveth you. Approach him. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive help in the time of distress. Jesus walked on this earth to reveal to us not his own personal character. That character that you are saying Jesus revealed, it is the character of the Father. This has been misunderstood before. Some people believe that God changed. The God of the Old Testament is harsh, intolerant, while that of the New is tender and compassionate. But we are mistaken. It is the same God whose character is revealed. That character Jesus was revealing, that is the character of the Father. It's not a different character. It's the same. And we also saw in our devotion that Jesus had imparted knowledge, the knowledge of God to patriarchs, prophets, and apostles. He is the one that was always talking with the people of the Old Testament. And the message was always a message of repentance, laboring for the salvation of the fallen humanity. And when he came to this world, he did not do anything different. The ministry of God in the Old Testament is the same as the New there's no difference. Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 366, paragraph 1, it says, In all these revelations of the divine presence, of, of the, divine presence the glory of God was manifested through Christ, not alone at the Savior's advent, but through all the ages after the fall of the, and the promise of redemption, God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19. Christ was the foundation and center of the sacrificial system in both the patriarchal and the Jewish, Jewish age. Since the scene of our first parents, there has been no direct communication between God and man. The Father has given the world into the hands of Christ that through his mediatorial work, he may redeem man and vindicate the authority and holiness of the law of God all the communion between heaven and the fallen race has been through Christ. It was the Son of God that gave to our first parents the promise of redemption. It was He who revealed Himself to the patriarchs. Who revealed Himself? Jesus. He was the one. Adam, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Moses understood the gospel. They looked for salvation through man's substitute and surety. 
These holy men of old held communion with the Savior who was to come to our world in human flesh, and some of them talked with Christ and heavenly angels face to face. Christ was not only the leader of the Hebrews in the wilderness, the angel in whom was the name of Jehovah, and who veiled in the cloudy pillar went before the host, but it was he who gave the law to Israel. Who gave the law? Christ. Amid the awful glory of Sinai, Christ declared in the hearing of all the people the ten precepts of his father's law. It was he, Jesus Christ, who gave to Moses the law engraved upon the tables of stone. It was Christ that spoke to his people through the prophets. The apostle Peter writing to the Christian church says that the prophets prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 and 11. It is the voice of Christ that speaks to us through the Old Testament. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Revelation 19 verse 10. End of quote. So, through all these evidences we have gone through, we need to understand and change our mindset. Don't think that there's a separation between the Father and the Son. Christ is the, the Father's express image. They agree in one. They don't have separate characters, one loving us more than the other, one being more tolerant, more loving, more tender than the other. They equally love us. They have the same beliefs, the same characters, do the same things. None is more merciful than the other. And by the way, the particular personality who has been revealing himself to us is Jesus, but he has been revealing the character of the Father. Whatever, the, whatever you think Jesus is, the Father is. In the Old Testament, it was Jesus who was relating with them, with the people of old, and even today it is still him. Now, I want us to go take this opportunity to study a certain character in the Bible, who is the express image of the Father, which is Jesus. But this other character seems to be the same thing, and we want to study as we look at Christ being everything that God is. It will interest you to know that there is a character in the scripture who is everything that God is. This person is called Michael. But am I saying Michael is a third personality that is equal with God? No, I am not saying that. I am saying, however, that Michael is Jesus Christ himself. And we will look at all the passages where his name appears to understand just that. Before doing that, let us begin with understanding the meaning of the name Michael. Michael means, it's a question, who is like God? Or it can be a statement, he who is like God. Scholars disagree. Some say it's just who is like God. Others say he who is like God. This should already give us a hint of who Michael is. If we go by the statement, he who is like God, or he who, what, who is what God is, we know that this means Michael is equal with God. That hints that Michael is Jesus. If this is too much of a stretch, I can agree, but this is not the only evidence to know who Michael is. Let us examine the Bible text where his name is mentioned. We'll begin with the first passage where Michael is mentioned, Daniel 10 verse 11 to 13. The background to this is that Daniel was receiving a vision and he was praying for God to grant him understanding. He was praying for God to grant him understanding. In the midst of this prayer, Gabriel appeared to him. And here, what I'm going to read from verse 11 is Gabriel's conversation with Daniel. He said, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright. For unto thee 
am I now sent? And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then he said unto me, Fear not, O Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Amen. Then in verse 21 again, Gabriel said, But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Amen. So let us take some lessons from here. Michael is called in verse 13, a chief prince. He is also seen to be more powerful than Gabriel. In that, in Gabriel's battle with the prince of Persia, which symbolically represents Satan, Gabriel could not prevail until Michael came to his aid. To further portray this point, Gabriel assures Daniel that there is no way he can do any of the works he's doing except he's upheld by Michael. That's verse 21. This is conclusive evidence that whoever this Michael is, he's a, he's a greater and more powerful being than Gabriel. So, what have we learned in Daniel 10? Michael is a chief prince, he is stronger than Gabriel, and he's also more powerful than Satan. We will see the implications of this soon. Now, let us examine. The next text where Michael is mentioned, Daniel 12 verse 1. And at that time shall Michael stand, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to the same time. And at that time shall thy people be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. Now verse 2 is very important. It says, Many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So what do we learn from Daniel 12 verse 1 and 2? We see Michael taking a leadership role at the end of time because the setting for Daniel 12 is the last event that takes place in the world. It says at that time Michael will stand. This is the end of time. The setting to this is that there is a great tribulation. God's people are passing through the time of trouble. They are about to be destroyed by the trouble and tribulation that exists. But Michael stands up to deliver Daniel's people. That's what it says. The children of thy people is what it's called. Since this is the end time, we know that Daniel's people being referred to here are not biological Jews but believers in Jesus Christ. We also see another event that takes place as Michael stands. When he stands, what happens? Many that sleep in the dust, people, they resurrect. That is people who are dead. This is a very very important point to note as we will see very soon the implications of this is that michael has power to resurrect the dead but let us agree that this is not conclusive for now we will go to other passages where michael is mentioned to get more light about michael from daniel 12 we have learned that michael delivers delivers daniel's people that's they're just called christians at the end of time it is michael who stands to deliver god's people and it seems that he also is responsible for the resurrection of the dead. So let us get more information about Michael. The next passage where Michael is mentioned is Jude 1 verse 9. It says, Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, does not bring against him a reigning accusation, but said, The Lord rebuked thee. Ah, now, more information has come on Michael here. It has always been a mystery how it is that after Moses died, his body could not be found we know why now it is michael again he is here mentioned a second time in connection with resurrection but another information is given on michael he is called the archangel take note that it does not say an archangel but the archangel 
So we'll talk about that in a bit. But let us establish the point we got in Jude 1 verse 9. The point gotten here is once again, Michael is associated with the resurrection of the dead. Two times now. But let us move on to the next point. The archangel. So in order to know more about Michael, let us know about the archangel. Because wherever we see the archangel, it has to be referring to Michael. There is only one text, just one, not two. Only one text in scripture where the archangel is mentioned. And that is in... 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. Guess what? Do you know what Michael is doing in this text? You can take an intelligent guess. He is at it again. Resurrection. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven. Who is descending? The Lord himself with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. Wow. So who is the archangel? The Lord himself. He is the one coming with the voice of the archangel because the Lord himself is the archangel. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Again, the archangel is the one who speaks. But the archangel is the Lord himself. And he is the one that speaks and the dead in Christ rise. Verse 17 says, Then we which are alive shall remain and be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So, the archangel is mentioned twice. And both times, it is associated with resurrection. One is the resurrection of Moses and the other is the resurrection of all the multitude of the redeemed. And since Michael is the archangel, the Lord himself, we can say out of the five times Michael is seen in scripture, it is connected with resurrection sometimes. Why is this important? Why is it important, this matter of resurrection? Remember what we have learned in previous lessons. It is only God that has the ability to give eternal life or even this present life we are living where we perish. But you will say, oh, Elijah and Elisha and Peter resurrected the dead. Yes, they did. But even that was by the power of God. But there's another kind of resurrection that even angels, not just Elijah, Peter and the rest, even angels cannot do. Even Lucifer cannot do it. And that is the resurrection to eternal life. Only God is able to do this. John 5 verse 19 to 21, Christ the revelation of God says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So, Jesus is saying, whatever the Father can do, I can do. That's what makes me God. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. For as the Father raised up the dead and quickened them, even so the Son quickened whom he will. Amen. Verse 28 and 29 says, Marvel not at this. For the hour is coming, in the which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Whose voice are they going to hear? Jesus' voice. It's not somebody speaking in his place. It is only Jesus' voice. They shall hear his voice and shall comfort they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Amen. There is no second voice. Nobody is going to do the work for Jesus and say, oh, it's just as far as an angel did it, it's still for me he did it. No, it is only Jesus that can raise the dead, especially to eternal life. The fact that we see Michael, the archangel, doing this work is conclusive evidence that Michael is Jesus Christ himself. 
the other thing is that michael is called your prince that's what daniel was told michael your prince that is the prince of believers who is the prince of god's people daniel 9 verse 25 tells us know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build jerusalem unto the messiah the prince so who is our prince the messiah jesus christ but then michael in the book of daniel 10 verse 21 is called your prince what else will daniel understand in the book of daniel 9 verse 25 he was already told the messiah is your prince daniel 10 verse 21 gabriel now tells him again michael your prince so what else will daniel conclude michael is my prince the messiah is my prince therefore means the messiah is michael and what is a messiah a deliverer and what does daniel 12 verse 1 and 2 tells us at that time shall michael stand and what will he stand for to deliver he is the deliverer he is jesus christ again in acts 13 verse 15 talking about who our prince is we are told i think this was peter preaching he said and they killed the prince of life whom god had raised from the dead whereof we are witnesses in chapter 5 verse 31 of acts again peter saying said him had god exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to israel and forgiveness of sins amen so all these things are conclusive evidence michael is jesus christ our deliverer the express image of the character and personality of god the last thing we see is that michael is helping gabriel overcome satan that's a very important one this is an obvious evidence that michael is none other than jesus you may say what if there's another angel greater than michael what if there's another angel greater than gabriel but remember that the most powerful and greatest angel created by god is lucifer who later became satan and no angel can withstand him except jesus is there to assist that angel michael is there for jesus because no one can withstand satan but jesus christ but don't take my word for it let us study the bible and see what it says about gabriel satan and michael luke chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 here was where Gabriel appeared to Zechariah as the father of John the Baptist. It says, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee, and to show thee these glad tidings. What did this mean when Gabriel said, I stand in the presence of God? We have studied it before. The angel that stood in the presence of God before was Lucifer. He left his position. Gabriel is the one who now stands in the presence of God. You can check it in Ezekiel 28, reading from verse 14 downward, that Lucifer, the cherub, the covering cherub, is the one that stood in the presence of God. But now Gabriel is the one doing that. Let us read now. Desire of Ages, page 99, paragraph 1 says, The words of the angel, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God, show that he holds a position of high honor in the heavenly courts. When he came with a message to Daniel, he said, There is none that holdeth with me in these things, but michael christ your prince daniel 10 verse 21 of gabriel the savior speaks in the revelation saying he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant john revelation 1 verse 1 and to john the angel declared i am a fellow servant with thee and with thy brethren the prophets revelation 22 verse 9 wonderful thought that the angel who stands what next in honor to the son of god is the one chosen to open the purposes of god to sinful men amen so after gabriel who is next among angels no one he's the highest angel which i take that again desire of ages page 99 paragraph 1 wonderful thought that the angel 
who stands next in honor to the Son of God is the one chosen to open the purposes of God to sinful men. So if Gabriel is the angel that stands next in honor, then is there any angel higher than him? No. If Michael therefore is helping Gabriel, what does that mean? Michael is Jesus because there is no angel greater than Michael. Reading again, Desire of Ages, page 234, paragraph 2. It was Gabriel, the angel next in rank to the Son of God, who came with the divine message to Daniel. It was Gabriel, his angel, whom Christ sent to open the future to the beloved John, and a blessing is pronounced on those who read and hear the words of the prophecy. End of quote. So, once again, from the spirit of prophecy, I'm just using that to buttress the point. I think the point is already gotten from the Bible alone, but I'm bringing these points from the spirit of prophecy to make it clearer. Again, we see in Daniel 10, verse 11 to 13, one thing that, that what Michael was doing was that he was helping Gabriel. Let us see from the spirit of prophecy what this means. Review and Herald, December 5, 1907, paragraph 3 says, In this vision of the prophet, the angel Gabriel de- declared, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which stood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. For three weeks, Gabriel had been wrestling with the powers of darkness and seeking to counteract the influences at work on the mind of King Cyrus. Before the contest closed, Christ himself came to Gabriel's help. All that heaven could do in behalf of the people of God was done. The victory was finally gained and the forces of the enemy were held in check all the days of Cyrus. Amen. So once again, we see here, Michael is Christ. He's the one that came to help Gabriel. But there may be just one other part. You say, but what of the fact that Michael was called one of the chief princes? Does that not show that there there are other chief princes in heaven? Well, let us understand what it means, one of the chief princes. John 12 verse 31, Jesus tells us who the other prince is. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. So who is the other prince? The person who was cast out from heaven, Satan. John 14 verse 30, Hereafter I will not talk much with you, for the prince of this world cometh and hath nothing in me. That is referring to Lucifer. He is the prince of evil. John 16 verse 8 and 11, And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. Three times, Jesus is referring to Satan as a prince. Now, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Ephesians 2 verse 1 and 2 says, And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. From these passages, we see that Satan is the other prince. What have we learned so far? Michael is Jesus. Jesus is exactly what God is. This is a relevant lesson for us. We are assured that the meek and lowly Jesus is still our prince. God does not send someone inferior to himself, but one who is the express image of his person equal with himself his own revelation the revelation of his character he sends such a person to undertake the salvation of you and me jesus is the express image of the father whosoever had seen him had seen the father the father himself is the one working out our salvation whatever you see michael doing that laboring for our deliverance it is the father who is also doing it 
He does not send a delegation, but he himself is doing the work. This should make us understand how loved we are and fill us with self-esteem, not from self itself, but our self-esteem is from Christ for what he has done for us. A self-esteem drawn from the importance that Christ and the Father has placed on each human being. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19 To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing our trespasses unto us, and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. When God sent his son, or Michael, or Gabriel, he sent his most powerful and best gifts to us, that we may be redeemed. This is the love of God revealed to us, and Christ is the express image of himself. And the Father loves us. Don't miss that point. Don't separate the Father from the Son. They are one. What you say the Father is, the Son is. He is only revealing the character of the Father. And may we revel in this knowledge and come boldly to the throne of mercy. Speak to the Father. Pray. Jesus said, pray to the Father. Some feel, oh, I'm praying to Jesus. I cannot approach the Father. Jesus said, come to the Father. The Father himself loveth you. There's no need thinking that you come and meet me. Go straight to the Father. He loves you. God loves us, my brothers and sisters. Let John 3.16 have its full weight. For God so loved the world, that is the Father, loved you and me, that he gave his only begotten Son to express his character to us, to show us his love. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the love you have bestowed on us in sending your Son to reveal your character to us, in sending your Son to die on the cross of Calvary for our sins. Thank you, Lord, that we know that it is not that you said somewhere while Jesus was suffering, but in all his sufferings, you were in him reconciling us to yourself, that you also partook of it. And I pray, Father, that this knowledge shall transform the way we relate with you, that this knowledge shall reform our mindset about you and about our Lord Jesus, and that we shall exercise more faith in you and receive more blessings. In Jesus' name of prayer. Amen. This message was brought to you by the Angel with a Strong Voice, a ministry dedicated to preparing people to stand true to God and be ready for His imminent return. For more information and free online resources, please visit www.tawas.org. That is www.tawasv.org. Or contact info at stars.org.